are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude rocking America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude rocking America. Tactical analysis, transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right, soccer dude rocking America. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Soccer New Rock in America featuring Person Noob. That's right, we got a shiny new name. More or less the same podcast though. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me as always is my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. And last week, we celebrated finishing our first year of 50 episodes as 10 to track weekly World Mash previews. Worked well for us, still could, but you know what? It's a bit of a mouthful. So we decided to come up with something new and maybe had a little too much fun with it. Anyway, as I said, the show's not really going to change much. In fact, 10 to track is still the spine of the show content. We're going to continue to do mini previews every week of the 10 most important matches from around the world as we define them, and probably a little bit different than most shows. Uh, We're still going to be looking at first versus second place uh, club league matches from around the world, international team tournaments, international club tournaments. But we're not going to be afraid to go to any country, any confederation in the world looking at their top flights. If it's important where it's being played, it's important to us. And we're going to keep learning about the world through the lens of soccer as we learn about soccer. Though now we intend to be a little bit more American-focused. Here's how it's going to look. America, and then our region of the world, and then the whole darn planet. Or American soccer, soccer Americans care about, and then soccer we want to learn about because we're part of the world and not just America. Now, we're also still going to continue to have a lot of our same fun, wacky segments as well. Noobstradamus, our in-house prognosticator, though not this week, will be regularly joining us still. This episode, like we often do, we will get a surprise food-related segment from Person Noob. I'll leave you in suspense. And as time goes on, we're hopefully going to be adding some interviews and then uh, more wacky segments. Now, intro is a little longer than normal, but hey, it's a bit of a new show. Now, once again, we're going to be coming matches from Friday to Thursday. This episode, that's October 1st through 7th. With no further ado, let's kick off with... March number one! Given the new name for the show, we considered starting to organize all our matches geographically instead of chronologically like we have been, but I think for the time being that we are going to keep going through the week day by day. No Friday matches happen to make our cut for our 10 to track. I know no longer the official name of the show, but it's still going to be hard for me to not call it that soccer new rock in America, but the spine of the show still is the 10 to track. Saturday, 
match number one. We do get to start right here in America, stateside, Major League Soccer, the Eastern Conference. They're about 80% of the way or so through the season right now. Uh, clubs typically have about six matches to go in the regular season right now before the playoffs start. Speaking of the playoffs, a reminder that the top seven from each of the two conferences, East and West, will get to go to the playoffs, and the winner of each conference regular season gets to start the playoffs in the semifinals. And internationally, amongst other teams, the two conference winners will automatically qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League, no matter how they actually do in the MLS playoffs. In any case, let's take a look at our matchup. It is number eight, Club de Foot Montreal, taking on number six in the East, Atlanta United. So, yes, picked this one because this is two teams that are right on the edge of making the playoffs. We often go for first versus second place matches, but in particular for MLS or with a lot of leagues as the seasons wind down, we want to look at the matches that are most important no matter where they are in the standings. Now, let's take a look at the table. A caveat, as always, that this is what it looked like when I scouted the game. By the time you hear this, there may have been one more set of games for some of the teams, so things could have changed a little bit. So, that said, Atlanta, as well as New York City FC and Philadelphia, all tied in the table at 39. Then you have Orlando at 38, Montreal, your home team today at 37, and then uh, just slightly threatening your defending champions. Uh, they're at 34 points. Columbus Crew really need to get it together if they want to make a playoff push. As far as these two teams, the all-time or at least recent series, Atlanta has had the advantage with a 5-2-1 record against CDF Montreal. This season, Atlanta won at home in their first matchup 1-0, uh, and then Montreal has already hosted once, and they won uh, got a draw, rather, 2-2. And if you are so inclined, you can catch this on TV, 7 p.m. on Bally Sports South. If you if that name seems a little bit unfamiliar, basically uh, just look in your channel guide wherever uh, Fox Sports Net, I believe, basically used to be. Now, Montreal, we'll start off with the hosts. No, this is not a new team. This team was called the Montreal Impact until last season. No new ownership or anything. They've simply gone with uh, through what's called a rebrand last year. They finished in ninth place in the East, and they made the uh, preliminary or play-in round to the playoffs. They had a few more teams involved last year in the playoffs than this year. They didn't really advance to the quote-unquote uh, playoffs proper. 2015 was the best season that they've ever had. They finished second place in the East and were the uh, losing finalists in the CONCACAF Champions League that followed the next year. This year, statistically, they should be able to do a little bit number than number eight in these based on their stats. So I have stats. So I have hope for them that they could be moving up. They've got the fifth best offense, just tied for seventh best on defense, pretty average there. And that puts their goal differential right about average. But if they can keep putting in the goals, the average defense might be good enough to give them a little bit of daylight. But let's talk about the scoring. Where is it coming from? or who's been assisting for it at least, their best all-around offensive player, tied for second in the entire major leagues, in the entirety of Major League Soccer, is Georgia Mihailovic. Uh, he is an American player of Serbian and Macedonian descent. Uh, his parents were Washington diplomats. He's an attacking midfielder and just 22 years old, so good on him uh, for being so high up on this particular leaderboard. He came up through the Chicago Fire system and even played for them for, th uh, for three seasons and now starting this year. 
He is north of the border in Montreal. And he also did some repping uh, for the U.S. men's national team at the under-23 and under-19 levels. Don't believe he's gotten any call-ups to the senior team. Now, the team's current form, they are 0-2 in their last two. Those losses were at home to the probably soon-to-be record-breaking, admittedly, uh, New England Revs. They're just blowing away the league, probably going to earn the most points in the table of all time if they keep up this pace. And then they lost at a somewhat struggling uh, Columbus Crew squad that we mentioned earlier. And they've just had a goal differential of two and six is all. So they're not in their best form. Where have they been showing some weakness? I suspect that Atlanta will try to attack them right down the middle or run circles around uh, their French center back, Rudy uh, Camacho. Yes, French, despite the last name that sounds a little bit different. Uh, He's had the weakest player ratings of anybody on the team of late. And Montreal has only been average at home the last, say, uh, four or five weeks. So uh, they've been bleeding a little bit. Now, can Atlanta keep them bleeding? The five stripes. Uh, Last year, they finished in 12th place in the East, as you might imagine, missed out on the playoffs entirely. Uh, 2018, they won the regular season title. And in 2019, they actually won the overall league title, winning the MLS Cup. Uh, They made the quarterfinals also in their two uh, CONCACAF Champions League appearances. So some nice international things to hang their hats on. They have never won the Eastern Conference, though. Best they've ever been able to do is uh, second place finishes. This year, uh, seventh best offense, pretty average. Number four defense. That's where they've been shining a little bit more. A little bit surprising, at least considering what they're mostly known for. Their superstar is uh, Joseph Martinez, who just hit the century mark. 100 goals for Atlanta United. Congratulations to him. Yet, if you do catch this on TV or on streaming, the player that I would like you to look out for on top of that is their all-around best offensive player, in my opinion, is actually uh, their left winger. He's only 22 years old, an Argentinian named Ezekiel Barco. Uh, he's been good enough that he's been repping for the uh, Argentinian national team, or at least the not the senior team, but the under-23 one. He is able to score with either foot, so I'm a little surprised they don't have him as a center forward. And he is able to score from inside or outside the box. I believe he's got seven goals on the year and four from inside and three from outside or vice versa. In any case, he's also a superb passer, although not necessarily on crosses. And for an offensively minded player, he's a surprisingly good tackler. You should be able to see him do a lot of things box box. And he has been their hottest player in their last three wins. Speaking of that, the team's form, they have won four of their last five. So momentum is on their side. Their last loss was, I believe, two matches ago at Philadelphia, a team that's pretty good in their own right. Uh, Their recent scoring bonanza has cooled off, though, the last two matches. So they'll want to get that back up if they want to go on the road and be able to get a result. And they have been better than average uh, on the road for the past few weeks. Thusly, my thoughts on this match. Uh, I think it's too close to call from like a gambling standpoint. I'm uh, envisioning that Atlanta can get a draw out of this win. Probably low scoring, either nil-nil or 1-1. Match number B. Thank you for our weekly reminder, daughter dearest, that number ugh, two, well, we know what it means, and it's bathroom talk. So, New Bites, please join us in the quiet revolution that is number B. Use it in your daily lives. It's much more couth. It's better for for when you're in polite company. And in any case, the second match of this week's show, we are stateside once again. This time we're dipping down into the second division in American soccer, the USL Championship. Now, we don't have relegation promotion. Teams will not move down 
uh, from MLS or up uh, from the USLC. But we're still forming an American pyramid, so to speak, in soccer. And this is considered a second division club. Our matchup is going to be from the Western Conference, specifically the Mountain Division. The setup for this league, for those who are not familiar, there are Eastern and Western Conferences. There are two divisions in each, and each division has either seven or eight teams. Uh, Just like Major League Soccer, they're a little over uh, three quarters of the way through the season or so. And the top four teams from each of the divisions, whether they have seven or eight teams in them, all go to the playoffs. And your matchup is a dandy. Number B, Colorado Springs versus number one, El Paso. Here's how the table looked when I scouted it. El Paso in very good shape with 48 points. Colorado Springs five back at 43. San Antonio not really threatening for first place, but uh, could still move up a little bit more. Uh, They are at 40. And El Paso having an added advantage. They have two games in hand. They have played two fewer matches than Colorado Springs. So, If uh, Colorado Springs want to have any shot at taking the division title here in the regular season, uh, they've got to defend their home pitch here, and I don't think a draw is going to be good enough. They've got to get a win if they want to do that, although they're in very good shape for the playoffs, of course. The two times these teams have met this regular season, uh, in Colorado, they played to a 0-0 draw. In El Paso, uh, they played to a 1-1 draw. So here's your tiebreaker, unless, of course, they get another draw, in which case, would it be a drawbreaker or No, that sounds like jawbreaker. I don't care for that. In any case, uh, the series, or at least the most recent games, it's been all El Paso. They have a 4-4-0 record against Colorado Springs. And if you want to watch this, you can actually catch it online. ESPN Plus will be on at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's talk about Colorado Springs first. They are known as the Switch uh, switchbacks founded in 2013 and they are and always have been, I believe, affiliated to Major League Soccer's Colorado Rapids. Uh, they got a new stadium this year. I believe it carries the same name as the old one, uh, Widener or Widener Field. It's their first year there. It holds about 8,000. And it's interesting because it was specifically built because League One was forming. League One is one of the leagues that is con- considered Division Three in the unofficial American pyramid. And I believe that the people who run the switchbacks were afraid that they were going to get asked or forced to move down and they did not want to. So they needed and built a soccer specific stadium to try to help keep that from happening. Hey, looks like it worked. 2015 was their best season. They finished in third place in the Western Conference. They made the playoffs, got all the way to the quarterfinals. In fact, last year, things were organized a little bit differently by groups, and they finished number three in the West's Group C. Suffice it to say, the important thing to know is last year they didn't make the playoffs. This year, number one offense by Miles in their division. They score over two goals per match. Uh, Just the number six defense, not real good in that particular regard. Second best overall goal differential. Number one score in the entirety of the championship, not just their division, is Haji Berry. He is a forward from the African country of Guinea. Orlando fans might be familiar with him. He was there in 2016-17, and I'm pretty sure he made some appearances for Orlando, but truth be told, he spent more time with their reserve or B squad. And then as an interesting side note, he also spent one year abroad, and it might have been the only one, and he went all the way to Israel to play with their premier leagues, although it might have been in the second division at the time, Ironi Kiryat Shmona. Now, tied for number three in assists in the entire league has been, note the verb tense change there, that'll be important, Michi or Mickey, it's M-I-C-H-E-E, Ngalina from the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's a 21-year-old winger. 
And he just got loaned out within the last week or so to MLS's uh, LAFC. So congratulations to him on getting to move up. I'm sure the switchbacks will miss you tremendously. So who's going to step up? Perhaps it's going to be a red hot of late player, Sebastian Anderson. He is just 19 years old. He is their right back, a defensive player. Yes. And uh, not their greatest passer, but he uh, does do some box to box work. And when he does get, his passes down successfully. He's been creating a lot of big chances, so he's very good at crosses, I believe. As far as the team's form, they've won their last two in a row, and they have not lost in their last five. Now, the challengers, at least today, El Paso, number one in the division. The Locomotive, just founded three years ago, 2018. Last year, they finished number one in their group, number four overall in the Western Conference, and they made the playoffs, got all the way to the conference final. This year, the offense, not too shabby, second best there, but number one D by quite a bit. Their defense, they only concede a goal on average three times every four matches. And uh, due to that, they have the overall, what I believe is a key metric to look for, number one goal differential. Key players, top 10 goalkeeper in the league, Logan Ketterer. He's in the top 10 in clean sheets. Uh, he spent a year with Columbus Crew having the rights to him, although it didn't uh, have any appearances for him. I believe that he would be higher up the statistical goalkeeping ladder this year in the USLC, except that he spent some of the year on loan with MLS's Portland Timbers earlier this season. Who's been red hot for them? Mexican left back Eder Borelli. He is 30 years old and only five foot six. pretty really rather on the short side for a defender, in my opinion, at least to, compared to what I'm used to seeing, but maybe that's why he uh, is here instead of in Mexico or Europe or in MLS. In any case, uh, despite being a uh, defender by trade, he's not much of a tackler, but he's a very, very good passer, can help them push the ball up quite a bit. Tigres have had and maybe still have, but I don't think so, the rights to him for several years. But they always tended to loan him out instead of him getting to play for that Liga MX side. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-3-0 and oh in their last three. Uh, my thoughts on this, despite that the switchbacks are really hot right now, this has been El Paso's division to give away. I believe they've got too much of a lead or playing confidently, but things are close enough they're still going to care, and that they will salt away the division with a road win. Match number three. Another Saturday match, and this time we are going to jet set off to... The Damos Venskan Liga, and who knows, I might be getting my emphasis on the right syllables there. In any case, what I can tell you more certainly, it is the top flight in Sweden for the women's football, and it is the number five ranked UEFA league in that regard. There are only five matches remaining in the season. They play a total of 22, a double round robin. It's a 12-team league. The league is rated highly enough that it gets two Champions League berths, although both of their teams have to start in the second qualifying round, and then they'll get a third one that starts in the first qualifying round. And your matchup is number B, Haikyan, versus number one, Rusengord. Now, here's how the standings look. Uh, Rosenberg have, uh, or rather, uh, Rusengord, I'm trying to get my pronunciations more accurate, 45, uh, Haikyan, 39, and then Eskils Tuna United DFF have 29. As far as the series between these two, at least recently, uh, Rusengord has had the advantage 3-3-1, and one, and they won the first regular season at their place 2-0 against Haikin. And first we will talk about Haikin. Or Haikin, rather. Whoops, I'm getting it wrong still. I thought it was just Haken. That's what it looks like. H-A-C-K-E-N. So I'm adjusting. You have to bear with me. I'm a noob, remember? In any case, they were known as the Wasps. I can say that. 
and they are from the city of Gothenburg, which is the second biggest city in the country, metro area of about 1 million over there on the southwest coast. Volvo is headquartered there, and it is located very interestingly on Hisingen or Hisingen Island, which is an island in the actual city of Gothenburg. This club until very recently was known as Koparsberg's Göteborg. So if the name is unfamiliar and you even follow a little bit of European women's footy, that is why. This team is, uh, they are the defending champs and that was their first title last year. Uh, Interestingly, after they won the title later in 2020, it announced that the club was going to cease operations, at least in the top league. They were going to relegate themselves. Days later, they reversed their own decision. And then in January of this year, it became announced that they had uh, joined ventures, if you will, with the men's side uh, because uh, BK uh, Haken has a men's top tier club. So here they are. They have made four Champions League appearances. Uh, they made the round of 32 in 2019-2020. Above their best year was when they made the quarterfinals in 2011-12. They're just about to start the group stage in this year's Champions League. We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. As far as their league play this year, they have the best offense in the land, over two and a half goals per match, second best defense and goal differential. Number one league score is theirs to boast of. Her name is Stina Blackstenius. She's a striker, 25 years old. Uh, She spent 2017 through 19 in a stronger league, although not one of their very strongest teams. They were with uh, Montpellier in the French top flight. She has made 71 national team appearances since 2015. Excellent player. As far as the team's current form, they have they had six straight wins going until a 1-1 draw on the road at, of all places, talk about a trap match, Vaqua, spelled just for the record, V-A-X-J-O, which is in distant last place in the league. We featured them in one of our bonus matches, the match of Disappointed before. Now let's talk about uh, Rusengard. Uh, they can't do any worse than third place. So they're in very good shape. They are undefeated. They have 12 league titles to the credit. Won one last in 2019. Champions League quarterfinals most years is how far they go. And that's also the best they've ever done. Last year, 2020-21, they lost in the Champions League to Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. That was the second-best team in Germany. They are the defending league champs going into this year, interestingly. This year in the Champions League, they lost all the way back in the first qualifying round to Spanish side uh, Levante. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, they have the second-best offense and easily the number one defense. They've only allowed four goals in their 17 matches, number one goal differential overall. As far as the offense goes, second-best league scorer and in second place on the assist leaderboard is Olivia Sho. She's a midfielder, 30 years old, homegrown. Uh, she made a few appearances for Bayern in uh, 2014. She's made 88 national team appearances since 2013. And then because the defense is so good, I will at least mention the name. I couldn't find much information on her is Angel Mukasa. As far as the team's form, they won five matches in a row before a recent draw to number four, Christian Stats. So each club has stumbled just a little bit. If I were a gambling man, I would go with Rusengord until proven otherwise. They are undefeated after all. Match number four. We like to have a lot of fun on this show, and longer-time listeners know that uh, me and my uh, daughter, quote-unquote, Persanoob, like to do a lot of silly side segments. 
Uh, this was going to be one of those times, uh, match number four was going to be from the National Women's Soccer League, the top flight here in the United States. Uh, it was going to be a great matchup. Number one, uh, Portland taking on uh, currently second place, uh, O.L. Reign, a team that used to be uh, known as uh, Seattle. In any case, all the matches from this league have been postponed this weekend. I haven't heard anything official um, I'm, I'm hoping they'll choose to continue, but right now there's been no, I don't think, official word at the time that I'm recording this of when any of the teams are going to play next. Again, I'm hoping they're just taking a pause. Uh, for anyone who hasn't happened to have heard, uh, particularly uh, you know, people who are new to following the game like me, especially if you're brand new, the reason they've been postponed uh, think of this as being very much analogous or in the vein of uh, the Me Too movement. There's been a lot of bad things going on in and around the league, and they're taking a pause so everybody can reflect and catch their breath at the very least and really you know, plan out what the next steps are going to be regarding this news. Uh, the head coach of the North Carolina Courage resigned. Uh, I think most people who uh, have heard the news would describe him uh, and probably accurately as a predatory male. Um, he has been alleged to have been, uh, going out and socializing with his, uh, young team, uh, you know, the, the gals on his team, uh, picking up bar tabs, you know, creating that kind of environment and then, uh, even far more unethical, but then, uh, you know, probably flat out illegal if it's found to be true, coercing one or more female players into, uh, what I will simply say, since, uh, I think some of my daughter's friends might listen, let's just say inappropriate relationships. Uh, also the gal who was the head of the entire NWSL ended up resigning. It was just obvious that she had not been taking the investigation seriously enough, at least not officially. And I know that there have been a couple other people in the league who have also been put out of, or have resigned jobs in the last couple of days, all related to this. Again, I'm hoping this isn't uh, the end of this iteration of the league. Uh, on the chance they do decide to blow it up, it'll be by their choice, and I'm sure it will be so that they can rebuild uh, you know, something even stronger than ever. Uh, to my daughter, and because uh, I know you'll be listening to this, sometimes she's here and with me recording, and sometimes she, she's not. We do a lot of pre-recorded stuff. She's not in here right now. Uh, so to uh, my daughter and her friends, listen. You are all in charge of your own bodies. Nobody else at any job you ever have, school, has any choice to do anything like this. And I'm sorry for adult listeners who are listening. I'm being nonspecific for a reason. This is a weird thing to talk about, especially on a comedy soccer show. But no one has a right to do or say anything that insinuates that they have any any power over your body in these particular regards. If you're ever in a position where wrong is being done to you or even think wrong might be being done to you, uh, Pinub, talk to me. Talk to your mommy. It's always going to be okay. Uh, to her friends who might be listening, talk to your family. Talk to anyone that you trust that your family says it's okay for you to talk to. It, can, it might be a teacher or someone at school or a pastor or some other leader. Make sure that it's somebody you trust and that your family says that it's okay to trust. Match number five. 
they're about to play the last match of the season in the Asian nation of Bhutan. And yes, our new rock in America should have named it Rocking Planet Earth because that is where we are headed. This is just the 39th highest ranked league in the Asian Football Confederation. That's out of uh, about 52 or 53. It's roughly the same size as UEFA as a continental confederation. This puts Bhutan's Premier League right between uh, Sri Lanka and Mongolia, just to give you a little bit of perspective. Their champion does not get to go to the Champions League of Asia. They work things a little bit differently there. For the nations that their top-ranked leagues are this far down in the coefficient, they get to go to a different secondary tournament called the AFC Cup, and that is the only team that gets to go anywhere from this league. Again, last match of the season, and the title is in jeopardy. Number one, Paro versus number B, Team Poo City is your matchup. Uh, they tied 1-1 earlier this season when they played. Here's how things stand. Paro lead by two, plain and simple. Oh, and number three, Transport United. Can't catch either of them. So, Team Poo City want to catch them. They've got to get a win. Anything short of that, and Paro wins the title. And let's talk about them first, your favorite, since they're at home. They are known as the Tigers, and a very young club for being so successful, only founded three years ago. Now, uh, Paro is a town of only about 11,000 or so. It's in the kind of the west-central part of the country. Fun side note, not soccer-related. I like to look for uh, things about these towns. We not only learn about football, we world learn about the world through the lens of football. Paro is said to have the most difficult airport in the world, and that's not because their baggage handlers are bad or anything like that. It's just difficult to fly into. You've got to pass by 5,500 foot high uh, Himalayan peaks. It's only got one runway. They have a problem with something called altitude density, which I just assume means that the air is very, very thin. In fact, only a handful of pilots in the world are actually certified to land at this particular airport. Yet I think I read that they bring in something like 30,000 people a year. In any case, back to the footy. Last year, they finished in third place. Uh, they did get to go to the AFC Cup. Uh, the two teams above them, I'm guessing, didn't have licenses to get there. But uh, they lost in the uh, preliminary second round. They lost to a club called uh, Bengaluru out of India. Uh, they did win the league title once, 2019. This year, statistically looking like they could be well on their way at a glance anyway. Second best offense at over three per match. Number one defense, they've only conceded 10 in 17 matches. And the second best, not best to my surprise, overall goal differential. As far as the team's current form, they are two and one in their last three. Uh, that loss was their only one of the season. I believe it was two matches ago, and it was against the aforementioned uh, Transport United Club that's in third place in the standings. Now, coming to town and uh, hopefully not flying, Team Poo City, a club that was founded nine years ago. They play out of uh, Team Poo is the capital. Uh, their crest is one of the fun ones. Uh, if I ever started my own club, I would want to have a crest that has one of these classic things that so many clubs do where there's a, a bird in flight and it's got its talons out and a ball in them. And then in the native language or Latin or something, I want the club's motto to be, that damn bird stole our ball. It's allowed to only be funny to me. That's okay. But this is one of those crests that looks like that. The team was founded as Zimdra FC, kind of a cool name. They have won the league title three times, 2016 in 17, and they are the league defending champs. They have been to the AFC Cup twice. Uh, this year, they got knocked out in the preliminary first round, lost to a club called Eagles of the country of Mali. 
this year. This is the reason that they've got the number one goal differential. The defense is third best, and that's fine. But they average over four goals per match, just, just about unheard of. As far as the team's current form, it's not helping them quite as much as you'd think. They are only 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. So this race could have been even tighter, but they've been, uh, pun intended, dropping the ball up late. Ha ha. My thoughts on this, uh, take the home team if you've got to bet on it. If you can find any place to bet on Bhutanese football, take Paro at home. And that is the sounder that signifies it's time for me to take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and do what we have purported to do on this show's name from in the past, Tend to Track, and that is namely Track. Let's take a look at last week's episode 50 top 10 matches. Match number one was a Saturday match from the Dominican Republic's Liga Mayor. Number one, Seabout took on number three, Atletico Pantoja, and it was Pantoja coming out on top, nil two. Pantoja now rise to number two in the table, tied on points with, but had on goal differential over Vega Real. Sunday, match number B was from Uganda's FA Cup. It was the final. Vipers taking on BUL. And what a bunch of BUL that team turned out to be for this day. Bad joke. Vipers won 8-1, to one, so I guess they deserve it. Match number three from Major League Soccer. Number one, Sporting Kansas City out of the West. Took on number B, Seattle Sounders. And it was the Sounders coming out with an impressive road win 1-2. Kansas City's Johnny Russell uh, still did manage a goal, and these two teams switched places in the table. Match number four from the NWSL. Seattle's number B, OL Reign, taking on number four, Orlando Pride. And it was the Gals from Seattle coming out on top 3-0. Bethany Balser had a goal. Eugenie LeSummer had a brace. And Zenever Marazan had two assists. Orlando dropped down to number five. Match number five from the Bolivian Primera División. Uh, number B, the strongest, took on number one, Always Ready. A couple of fun team names, and they played to a draw. 1-1, one, one, no change in table position. Match number six from the CONCACAF League round of 16, the second leg of the two-legged ties. They tied 1-1 one one in the first one. LD Alajuense got the host this time out of Costa Rica versus uh, Guatemala's club Guastatoya. And it was a 2-2 draw. So the aggregate ends at 3-3. And that means because they got more away goals is Guastatoya that gets to advance. Congratulations, especially because they had one heck of a comeback in this one. They scored in the 82nd and 90th minute just to get things to that point. Wednesday, match number seven from UEFA's Champions League. Juventus took on Chelsea, and it was Juve coming out on top 1-0. Sorry, Noobstradamus. We know you have made a prediction and had a hardcore vision, but Chelsea did not win nil three. Not even close, my brother. Match number eight from the Copa Libertadores semifinal, leg number two. So he was going to go on to the South American Championship. Barcelona SC out of Ecuador took on Brazil's Flamengo. They were already down uh, by two goals, and they lost once again, this time nil two to Flamengo. Bruno Henrique for the Brazilians had a brace. Congratulations to them on making the final. Thursday, match number eight from the Europa League group stage. Number one, Lyon took on number three, Bronby out of Denmark, and the result was a pasting. Lyon won three to nil. 
uh, possible man of the match candidate that we said to look for, uh, Luis Paqueta had an assist. And then the actual man of the match, somebody we did not tell you to look out for, whoops, Carl Toko Akambe. He had a brave, he had a brace of goals and an assists. Uh, no change in the table positions there. Still number one and three, respectively, in that group before. Match number 10 from the Europa Conference League group stage. Ammonio Nicosia took on Karabag out of Cyprus and Azerbaijan, respectively. And it was Karabag coming out on top one to four. Katie Melanowski had a brace. Karabag are number one in that table. And the Cypriots are in last place, number four. And then our bonus matches. Explanations come in later. Route of the week from Saturday from the Scottish Premiership. We had last place, number 12, Dundee FC, tried to take on number one Rangers, and at least they kept it close, but Rangers came out on top, nil one. The most meaningless match of the world was a Sunday match from Finland's top flight, the Vikings League, and number seven, Ilves, took on number eight, Honka, and it got played to a nil-nil draw, as is appropriate for the most meaningless match in the world every week. Then moves Ilves up to number six, and they will get to play in the championship round. So not such a meaningless match after all. They're league divided into champions round and relegation round for the remainder of the season. And then the match of Disappointed was a Saturday match from Estonia's Maestro Liga, number nine, Parno JK Vapers was to take on number 10 and last place Tamika, but the game simply seemed to, I didn't see anything that was postponed. It just disappeared from the schedule. Maybe they were just all so disappointed in themselves. They simply decided not to play. Perhaps we will never know. And that wraps up a recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches once again with match number six. Another Saturday match, and we're headed closer to home for this one to England for their FA Cup, where they are in the third qualifying round. Now, uh, seasoned or veteran footy fans, bear with me for a moment or use your fast-forward button once or twice, the 30-second thing on your phone or whatever device you're listening on. This is for the newer fans who have found me because I have noob in the name. It might be not as familiar. In any given country, the most important trophy to win is the Premier League or whatever the name of the top flight league is in the country. The second most important trophy is the nation's FA Cup. Instead of a league, that is a bracketed knockout uh, knockout event. Think like the NCAA basketball tournament here in the States. Again, they're in the third qualifying round, but a quick side note on this, they're actually two preliminary rounds, and then they start doing first, second, third qualifying round. Why they don't just count one B, three, four, five in the very beginning, I don't know. And yes, I did say B, it's becoming second nature. May the good Lord help me. The show gets weird. In any case, this is one of my favorite events to follow because the English FA Cup, they dip all the way down into the 10th level. I mean, I don't think even most of those teams' players are getting paid that get to participate in the qualifying rounds of the FA Cup. And it's fun to see which teams from which leagues way down in these little tiny uh, suburbs or towns out in the boondocks or wherever can actually advance. They're called minnows. So we are seeing what we're, we're minnow watching. That's what we're doing. Now, here in the third qualifying round, the level six teams are just now entering the tournament. At each level, uh, you get they started with mostly 10th and 9th level teams, and after the preliminary round, the 8th level teams came in and so on. There are six level 9 teams remaining and no level 10 teams remaining. So we wanted to go minnow watching. I felt like the best chance for a level 9 team to win was Jersey Bulls. They're a ninth level pyramid team, taking on 8th level Chertsey Town. Now, 
talk a little bit about each, especially the Jersey Bulls. This is going to be a little bit longer mini preview than some of them because this is just a fascinating team to me that I didn't know all that much about. The English FA Cup. Scotland has their own. Uh, Wales, I don't think do, or at the very least, the teams that from Wales that participate in the English league system also participate in the English FA Cup. The third other quote-unquote nation that sends a team to it is Jersey. Now, the Jersey Poles play out of St. Helier, Jersey, which is part of the Channel Islands there between England and France. This is the capital parish of Jersey. It's a town of about 40,000, which is maybe a third of the population of the entire island. It's not really a nation per se, Jersey. They are considered, I believe officially, the language is a self-governing crown dependency. They had to start all the way back in the extra preliminary round that I mentioned. Uh, they were founded just in 2018. So if you know if you felt like you would have noticed a team like this that you know from a place like Jersey, don't feel bad. They haven't been in existence very long. Also, they're in a very, very unique situation. Jersey has its own league. Jersey Bulls is not one of those teams. The Jersey League teams are not part of the official English pyramid, nor do they get to compete in any of the cup competitions. So what exactly is Jersey Bulls? Well, essentially, it's an all-star team. And who's on the roster? The uh, English FA allows to kind of rotate around based on whatever teams are available. If a Jersey League team uh, doesn't want to lose a player uh, you know, for their own local interests for a particular game that the Jersey Bulls are playing, and that's fine. Players can rotate in and out depending on their availability. If they've got a game that day, then somebody else will go in their place. And I don't think there's any other team in England or maybe the world quite like it. A couple interesting other uh, football things about Jersey. As a, uh, again, nation, quote unquote, they've applied to be members of FIFA and UEFA, but they've been rejected by both for not being an independent country. I believe they are now members of an alternate organization called CANIFA, uh, which is uh, for stateless peoples, diaspora of various countries that have had a lot of people emigrate or, you know, uh, countries or, uh, you know, sovereignties that are in a position like this one. Now, how do they advance? Well, last round, they've already beaten one eighth level team. They played Sutton Common Rovers and they managed to draw two to two. And then that earns them the chance to play what's called a replay. If you get a draw, they don't go to a penalty shootout. They say, okay, in three or four days, you're going to play again, but at the other team's field. So Sutton had to go to Jersey and the Bulls beat them three to two. Now the team does play league play, just not on Jersey. They play in an English league called the Combined Counties League Premier Division South. Again, a ninth level team. Now, something interesting about that, um, if you could imagine England, there are a bunch of obviously counties all over the place, and many of them, of course, are on the southern and southeast coast. Wouldn't that be where a team from a place like Jersey would play? One would think so, but actually none of the teams in their league, the Combined Bounties League, are in a coastal county. They're all a little bit more inland. And in fact, this league uh, stretches its uh, hand, so to speak, all the way into the greater London area, sort of the south-southwest part of greater London, I believe, anyway. Uh, A couple other side notes about this team in this league. The league is sponsored by Cherry Red Records. Now, that may not mean anything. It didn't to me at first, but I looked it up to see what the uh, what what bands and artists they've repped for in the past or might still. And the one that stood out to me, if uh, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but at one point, I'm sure they're not now, uh, they were the ones who were uh, putting out and producing the Dead Kennedys records from the 70s. Just awesome. Another interesting side note, they got promoted to this level uh, after doing very, very well last year. They were undefeated. 
but they only played four matches. I'm a little bit surprised that they bothered to promote anybody after such a long season, but that's the way they decided to do it. This year, they have also only played four matches, so they're only in 16th place. Most of the other teams have played between 7 and 11 matches in their league. That said, they have looked very, very good. They've got an 8-2 and two goal differential. They're unbeaten in their last eight, and their offense has been en fuego. They have scored 15 over that stretch. Now let's talk about Chertsey Town. They play out of uh, the county of Surrey, which is 15-20 oh, miles uh, southwest of central London in a borough called Runnymede. Now if you like your teams nice and blue collar and rough, this ain't one of them. Uh, this uh, The borough of Runnymede is part of what's called the London Commuter Belt, and it is one of the wealthiest areas in there. So ooh la la. They do have an interesting uh, uh, I was going to say mascot, but that's not quite right. But they do have an interesting official nickname. They're called the Curfews. There's a church in Runnymede called St. Peter's Church, which rings ceremoniously, I believe, every weekday, not every day of the week, but regardless, at what used to be traditionally evening curfew, 8 p.m., and it's been going on for a little while, even by European terms, a little over 500 years. So I think that's a really cool nickname. They play out of a league against, again, it's eighth level, called the Isthmian League South Central Division. Previously, they were in the same league as Jersey Bulls are in now, but they won that league in 2018-19 and got promoted. Last year, they finished sixth place in their own league now in a very curtailed season. This year, their offense looks great. Their defense looks iffy, but they're number six uh, overall. They entered this tournament one round later than Jersey Bulls in the, uh, pr- the preliminary round as opposed to the extra preliminary round. To advance, they beat a level seven team already, impressive, Chesham United, last round. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in all eight matches they've played this year. And this is the thing that really gets my attention. They're able to win or get draws whether the result is high or low scoring. So to that end, my thoughts on who I would, uh, if I had cash on the barrelhead and were gambling on this match, is it possible that Jersey are incredibly underrated and should be much higher up the pyramid? Maybe. But I'd like to see it before I'm going to believe it. Chertsey Town seemed pretty good on a good roll, and I would take them. Match number seven. I think that was the most consecutive matches we've ever done for a single day on the calendar, even for a Saturday. That was really something. But at last, we get the turn of page to Sunday. And now for your second Major League Soccer match of the broadcast. Yes, now that we are rocking America, going to try to hit more American leagues, we're going to try to get in two MLS matches every single week, meaningful ones. And this one is another one just like the one earlier from the Eastern Conference that doesn't involve teams at the very top of the table, but teams that are more mid-table and right on the line for the playoffs. In this case, I am talking about El Trafico, the derby between number six LA Galaxy in the West and number nine LAFC. Uh, Here's how the table looks. Uh, The Galaxy lead number eight Vancouver by four, and of course Vancouver represents the team that's just out of the playoffs. LAFC trail number seven Minnesota by four, a team that represents just barely getting into the playoffs because, again, Top seven teams get in. Now, they call it El Trafico for just for fun. You know what we get to call it? We like to call it the Double Dubuque Derby because I am an Iowa native. I grew up 75 miles from Dubuque. And back uh, around the turn of the last century, early 1900s, a writer journalist named H.L. Mencken of some renown had traveled out to L.A. back when it was a very, very young city and yet had you know grown a little bit. And he said, and I'm sure this is a paraphrase, my goodness, all the Midwesterners that are moved out here. This is like a double Dubuque. So twice the size of small Dubuque, Iowa. 
In any case, as long as we amuse us, that's what's important. As far as the series between these two teams, uh, the Galaxy lead in the last 12 with a 5-4-3 and three record. This year, LAFC, uh, at LAFC, they went to a 3-3 draw. And earlier this season, they played at the Galaxy's home stadium, and the Galaxy won 2-1. to one. Uh, Let's talk about the Galaxy first. Last year, they finished in 10th place, did not make the playoffs. Uh, They won the CONCACAF Champions League one time, but all the way back in 2000. Their last appearance was in 2015, and they made the quarterfinals. They've won the Major League Soccer title five different times, most recently 2014, and they've won the the Supporters' Shield, which is the best record in the entire league in the regular season, four times, most recently 2011. This year, the stats are a little bit wanting, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Very average on offense, well below average on defense, one of the worst in the conference. On the scoring leaderboard for them, they live and die with this guy. Uh, The little P, Javiero uh, Chicarito Hernandez, a Mexican striker, veteran rim, 33 years old. He came up with Guadalajara down in his home country. Uh, He's got a very impressive European resume. His longest stint was in the early 2010s with uh, Manchester United. And he's appeared for the Mexican national teams over 100 times, although I don't think he gets called up or at least called up with regularity any longer. As far as the team's current form, they have lost three straight matches and they're winless in their last eight. Uh, Both of their goalies have been really, really bad. Uh, Jonathan Bond's the one that plays more Englishman. He's only had three three clean sheets and 24 appearances all season. And in particular of late, he has been absolutely awful. So moving on from that, LAFC, can they get the road upset given how the other team's goalie is doing in its current form? Uh, This team was founded just six years ago. They've still managed to win the Supporters' Shield one time. That was 2019. 2020, last year, they were the runners-up in the CONCACAF Champions League. Last year, they finished in seventh place in the West, made the playoffs, but they were out in the first round. Uh, This year, their stats are right where you would expect or a little bit higher. Uh, Number five, offense. Number six, defense. Number six, goal differential. The problem is they're not quite getting over the hump. They're just getting too many draws compared to most of the teams around them. They're leaving points on the table. All-around best player that they've got going right now, in my opinion, is uh, Eduard Atuesta. He's a Colombian 24-year-old center midfielder. Two goals, six assists on the year, and uh, has, I believe, over a 90% uh, accuracy passing rating, which is the best I've ever seen. And yet for a guy who uh, they want him to do a little bit more defensively, but he's not too terribly physical. Uh, The team's current form, they have lost three straight matches conceded two goals in each of those. Their goalkeeping isn't any better. So do a better job. Thomas Romero, he's their goalkeeper from El Salvador, been just awful of late. Although perhaps he should be given some leeway. 20 years old, and in fact, earlier this season, he was with the the Division II USL Championships, Las Vegas Lights. My thoughts on how this is going to go, neither team can defend it worth a darn, and neither team seems to know how to get a win. Just like the last time they played, I predict this will be a 3-3 draw. Match number eight. Another Sunday match, and this time we're going to hop back over to England for a Premier League game. There's six matches into the season. The top four teams get to go to the Champions League. The number five team will qualify to the Europa League. And in all likelihood, the sixth place team will get to go to the relatively new Europa Conference League. It's play. It's a tertiary international club tournament. They're playing their first ever version of it right now. In any case... The matchup, number one, Liverpool, taking on number B, Manchester City. Liverpool are still undefeated, and they lead in the table by one over Man City. And that's all that I'm going to tell you about the game.
Because as I often do, or at least once every podcast, I like to stray away from the football and recognize, especially when it comes to a big match like this, you're listening to this show, you're probably listening to plenty of other ones where you know you can get a deeper dive. Everybody's talking about Liverpool and Manchester City this week. I'm not going to pretend to be able to usurp their places in your life. And instead, we're going to use this as an excuse to talk about food, specifically this time, pizza, fall, hot weather is going away, pizza is just sounding better and better. And perhaps the best place to get it in all of Liverpool, I found in doing my research, is an outfit called Crazy Pedro's on par. And they have got a couple of types that I have never heard of. One, I'm not surprised. One was just a complete mystery to me till now. Uh, The first one, you can get chicken and waffle pizza there. Now, that sounds like you might just take a crust, crust and you know probably have some cheese, have some syrup, put the baked chicken on, baked or cooked chicken on it, and call it a pizza. But no, they actually do a New York style crust. It has tomato sauce on it, and then you bake it with the the chicken and the bacon and the waffle pieces on it, and then I believe you add the syrup after the fact. Take that little bit with a grain of salt, and I don't know, sprinkle a little salt on it if you want. Not sure if the syrup is before or after, but it is a full-on chicken and waffle, true tomato sauce-based pizza. Now, the other one was the one that really got my attention, something called Chippy Tea Pizza. Now, I had to double-check my vernacular. I was pretty sure what Chippy was going to refer to, and that is, of course, over in England, one of the most traditional dishes, perhaps the national dish, fish and chips. You go down to the Chippy and get your tea, which doesn't always refer to a drink. This is also a generalized name for a meal from what I found. So just what is Chippy Tea Pizza from Crazy Pedro's? I have been blanking on what this is called. There's a name for it because they use it for other dishes, but the base is not tomato sauce. Unlike the chicken and waffle pizza, mushed green peas, not just slightly mashed. I mean, it looks like smashed avocado. It is green. And the pictures I saw looked weird. It's got cheese chips, which for what few people out there might be unfamiliar, think of sort of a cross between like a, a, a Long John Silver's uh, baked piece of the fried batter and an actual uh, French fry. So cheese, chips, sausage, and then you sprinkle more cheese on top. And then after you've baked it, you add something that I'd never heard of called chip shop curry sauce. It is apparently uh, ubiquitous down there. Strangely, from what I read, a lot of people don't even know what's in it or why they like it or why it tastes so good on fish. Did a little check and curry powder is obviously in there, but not as much as you might think. And then the other probably key ingredient for flavor of all things is apple. It's got a large infusion of apple. So if you think you've got the stomach for it, uh, there's a couple new pizzas for you to try perhaps sometime while you're watching a Premier League game like this. Match number nine. We're running out of slots on the unofficially still but named 10 to track. Match number nine is another Sunday match. We're headed back to CONCACAF, our own region. Costa Rica, the Primera División there, is considered the number three league within CONCACAF, as you might imagine, behind Mexico and the U.S. They are in their apertura stage. Like most Latin American countries, they divide their season into two stages. The 2021-22 season, for example, the first part of that time frame, they will be playing the apertura or opening stage. They will take like a month off and then they will start the closing or clausura stage. Uh, the top four teams from each stage are going to go to the league playoffs and they have the league playoffs after each of the stages. It's not like they have an 18 playoff at the end. In any case, 
the winner of each of the two stages and the team with the best record that did not win either of the stages. All three of them will get to go to the CONCACAF League next year. Note that that is not the CONCACAF Champions League, which is the pinnacle of the club tournaments. The CONCACAF League is a feeder tournament to that for mostly Latin American and Caribbean countries. In any case, they're a little over halfway through the season in Costa Rica. Your matchup there is a classic derby. It is number one, Herediano, taking on number B, Saprisa. These are two of the greatest teams in the nation's history historically. Herediano leads Saprisa and two other clubs by three points in the table, and then two others are just one more point behind. So Herediano, yes, they've got a little bit of a lead, but boy, there are a bunch of teams that are not too far back. Herediano won a matchup earlier this season, uh, two to three on the road at Saprisa, and they've got a very slight edge over uh, the last, well, the last many, many years. Uh, the record I found says Herediano currently leads the series 25 wins, 24 losses, and 21 draws, about as even as you can get. Let's talk about the florists first. Yes, that's the mascot or one of the nicknames, at least, for Herediano. Now, uh, Heredia is the name of a province that is in the north-central part of the country. Part of it borders on Nicaragua. Uh, it's an area of about a half a million. I don't know how large or where within the province this district is, but they play in an area called San Francisco there. They have won 28 league titles, which I believe is third best in the nation's history. Last time they won a stage was the Apertura from 2019. They won the CONCACAF League in 2018. The best CONCACAF Champions League finish that they've had was the semifinals. They managed to finish that uh, far in in the 2014-15 version. This year, third best offense, second best defense. Kind of a quirky record. They've got uh, more wins and almost more losses than anybody else. Not a single draw in 13 matches. 8-0-5. Just a real, uh, you know, little bit of white buffalo there. Tied for number one in league scoring. Guy who's theirs is Yendrik Ruiz. He's an attacker, a little long in the soccer, too, 34 years old. The team's current forum, four straight wins, and they haven't conceded a single goal in the last three. Now, Saprisa going to try to change that up. Uh, they are from the capital city of San Jose, from a, a town within that called San Juan uh, de Tibas, or maybe as a district. In any case, the club's nickname is a unique one. They are known as the Purple Monster. And yes, that is named after one of the team colors. Insert punchline here. Uh, they were named the CONCACAF team of the 20th century. Costa Rica, a lot of people, even in our own region, don't talk about them, but they were the number two uh, while the U.S. You know, wasn't as developed in soccer for a very, very long time right beside Mexico. And uh, while Mexico is better, not by as much as a lot of people might guess. In any case, this team has won 36 titles and they are the defending champions, having won the 2021 Clausura stage. Uh, they won the CONCACAF League in, uh, in 2019. They've also got three Champions League titles to their credit, although they haven't pulled that off since 2005. They've dropped out in the uh, round of 16 each of the last four straight years. This year, the defense is top half, but the offense is really good. Second best, and that combines. They've got the uh, best goal differential going in the league, which usually makes them a favorite for me. Uh, tied for number B in league scoring is Jimmy Marine. He's a midfielder, 23 years old. Uh, really strong rumors floating around that he is going to be going to Major League Soccer. And uh, I hate to say this because the only MLS game I ever managed to get to was in Cincinnati uh, from this year. But since he is where it looks like he's probably heading, and boy, is that team in, team in woeful shape. I think they fired their coach in each of like their first three seasons since moving up from second division to MLS. 
In any case, the teams for them, they have won three straight matches and are unbeaten in their last five. And unlike their very defensive-minded counterparts of late, they have scored nine goals in their last three wins. So it's going to be the immovable object and the irresistible force meeting here. I would not want to bet on this one just about if my life depended on it. Welcome to Person Noob segment, Person Noob's Sandwich Review. When telling your friends about it, always put one on the end. The letter B. We love the letter B. It's number B and it's letter B at the end of anything that ends with an OO sound. We like to review sandwiches. I have made a sandwich. What did you tell me when you first saw this a minute ago? It looked weird. What else did you say? You weren't going to eat it unless? I knew what it was. Yes, but now I've broken it in half so I can have some. And what do you think it is? I, it's a hot dog bun with marshmallows on it. Because I saw when you when you took it open, it was like stretchy. It's not just that. I'll tell you the rest after you've eaten some. And I'll take the first bite so you know it's safe. So we know so far it's got a hot dog bun and it's got marshmallow. <laughs> and she has marshmallows all over her fingers and is making a really, at first, disgusted and now intrigued face. What do you think this is? Chocolate. Those hurt. Those hurty kishes that we found in the closet. Few years old, I don't know how old they are. And those marshmallows that we had like forever that we've had like forever. Okay, well no, it is a fresh bag of marshmallows. Nothing that's in our pantry. We don't keep our food in the closet, just so you know, listeners. Uh, it had chocolate chips and graham crackers in a hot dog bun because we didn't have any uh, we're out of bread right now. I call it a s'more dog. What do you think? Oh, she's just shaking her head, which works really well on an audio podcast. How do you review it? Eight out of ten, really, after that disgusting face you made. Oh, you want some more? Okay. Well, thank you for joining us for... Person Noob Sandwich Review! And match number ten. We're done. Finally! New bites after a weekend of hardcore tracking like that. You deserve a break. So we're going to give you Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off to catch your collective breath, although there will still be plenty of great football happening there. Just none of those matches happen to make our uh, still unofficially named 10 to track. We're going to skip right to the last day of our week for our last official match, match number 10. We're back at CONCACAF for World Cup qualifying for the national teams. Uh, they're playing what, here what's known as the octagonal. It used to be the hex, hexagonal because there were six. Now they allow eight teams in to this third and final stage of qualifying. They're playing a double round robin, so a total of 14 matches. The top three will automatically advance to the World Cup. The number four team will have a chance to still qualify for the World Cup uh, by winning an intercontinental playoff match, which basically means they would play a team in a similar position in one of the other continental confederation tables, like the number five team from South America or some such. Yet to be determined. And your match, as you might guess, yes, it's an American match. Welcome to the new show. Number three, USA, number three in the table currently, versus uh, kind of surprising that they're all the way down in last place, Jamaica. But again, it's early. Uh, here's how things stand in the octagonal table. Mexico uh, lead 
the also rans by two. The also rans, which is a mean way to put it, USA, Canada, and Panama are all tied on points. Right now, based on a variety of tiebreakers, uh, Canada is in second place and Panama is in fourth. USA sandwiched right in the middle, but there's a long way to go. Uh, USA has a 9-0-3 record uh, for the series against Jamaica. If you want to watch this, easy to do, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, or if you prefer Spanish language broadcast, uh, Univision, and I believe it's also going to be carried by TUDN, which used to be called uh, Univision Deportes. And interestingly, the match is going to be played at the brand new stadium in Austin, uh, where the new MLS team there is playing. Now, just like before with the Premier League match, I recognize that you're probably getting a lot of information on the U.S. men's national team and, oh, who got called up and who didn't for these very last roster spots and all this and who's injured and who's not. I know you can get that lots of other places. So what we have traditionally liked to do with this show, and even though we are now rocking America, I'm actually going to stick with it for the time being. I'm going to give you just a little bit more than most folks would on the opponent. Let's talk about the Jamaican national team. They are known as the Reggae Boys, and if you're writing it down, don't forget to spell it with a Z on the end because they're 1990s hip, apparently. Now, uh, this, the reason I was surprised that they're in last place at the table is this is actually right now ranked as the number four national team amongst the men in all of CONCACAF. Uh, side note, they're ranked number 48 by FIFA as far as the whole world. 1998 was the only year that they actually qualified for the World Cup. Uh, they finished in third place in the group stage, which meant they did not happen to advance. They've had a little bit more luck in the Gold Cup, which is CONCACAF's national team championships. They have uh, finished in second place twice. In 2015, uh, they lost out on the title in Mexico and then to the Americans in the final of 2017. It doesn't exist anymore as it's sort of been wrapped up into the aforementioned CONCACAF League, but they have had a lot more luck in their own region. They are one of the best teams there, obviously. They have six Caribbean Cup titles. As far as the table this year, how they've been doing, they haven't beaten anybody. They're 0-1-2, and, and they've only scored twice, conceded six goals. Uh, they lost 1-2, uh, hosting Mexico. And then, really surprising, they got crushed at home by Panama, nil three. Then they bounced back and got a 1-1 draw at home, admittedly, but still Costa Rica is a very good team. Uh, tied for number one in event scoring, which only means he scored multiple times, but he really is their best offensive player. Uh, Shamar Nicholson is the name I want you to look out for in the box score or watch for in the field. He is a forward, and he plays for the strongest club probably of anybody from Jamaica. He is with a better-than-average club in Belgium in their top flight called Charleroi. He's made 25 national team appearances since 2017. Interesting side note because uh, – well, just because it's in a far-flung part of the world, at least as Europe goes. He also played for a club called uh, Domzala in Slovenia, which is probably amongst the top three clubs there. We've got plenty of USA connections on this team. We still do want to keep America rocking. Uh, Andre Blake is their goalie. He spent almost his entire career with Philadelphia. He's got over 50 national team caps. And then another player, uh, Alvas Elvis Powell is on the defensive end of the field. Defender, 53 national team caps for him. And then a couple of guys who are not MLS caliber. And here's where you start to see the abilities maybe just dip a little bit, but still pretty good. Uh, Devin Williams, he's a midfielder. He plays for Miami FC. Not to be confused with Inter-Miami. Miami FC is in the second division USL championship. Now, he did play a year in MLS. 2015-16 season, he was with New York Red Bulls. And then finally, Junior Flemings. He's a winger for them, plays for uh, Birmingham Legion, also in the USL Championship. 
he has spent his entire career here in the States and always playing at the Division II level. The hottest player that they have going is probably Damian Lowe. Now, whoever the U.S. has on offense, you want to save these guys. Keep them away for the love of God from Damian Lowe. He's got an 89% tactical rate. This guy is big in the shoulders. He is physical, and he is nasty. Uh, and He did spend a year in the MLS. He played uh, 2016 with Minnesota United. Right now, he plays for a pretty decent team over in all places, Egypt's Premier League, for a club called uh, al Ittihad. As far as the team's overall form, uh, that draw against Costa Rica, that actually ended a four-match losing streak in all competitions. Noob thoughts. Who do I think is going to win this? Well, obviously, it's in the U.S. The U.S. is ranked as the better team. They should win. But boy, you know what? Jamaica is a very defensively oriented team. It sounds like they're starting to put things together. I think the question, I don't think that they can win like just trying to beat the U.S. on counterattack. Matt Parker is playing too good in goal for the U.S. But will they sort of park the bus, play everybody back, and at the very least try to only score on counters and go for a very low scoring draw? We shall find out on Thursday. And now for perhaps my favorite part of the show, the bonus matches. Why do I love them so much? Well, because in part, you, the listener, have a say in what the magic content is going to be. I put up polls for these matches on Twitter on usually Monday and or Tuesday of every week. They have their own special criteria. They're not just the standard number one versus number B matches or bigger national tournament matches. You'll find out. In any case, you vote. I make magic content. We have lots of fun. And the first one from somewhere in the world is a first versus last place matchup that we enjoy calling the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And yes, it is worthy of being infused of every bit of drama that can possibly be put in there as demonstrated by Person Noob and her awesome Echo homemade sound effect. <laughs> the route of the week is our first match. The one that you have selected is Sunday's Slovakian Super League first versus last place match. Now, this Super League is the number one 31 UFA ranked league. Uh, they're about, uh, depending on which club, nine, ten matches into the season. Uh, this is one of those leagues, like a lot of them, particularly over in Europe, where halfway or so through the season, they will divide into uh, championship and relegation rounds. The top six and bottom six will separate into essentially separate mini leagues and only play one another the rest of the way. Now the league only gets one Champions League berth and that team has to uh, start all the way back to the first qualifying round. Three Europa Conference League berths on the other end of the table. One team will be automatically relegated. The second to last place team will have a chance to survive and continue to play in the Super League instead of getting dropped down to the secondary division by winning a relegation playoff match with presumably the second-place team from the second division there in Slovakia. And your matchup, you have selected number one, Slovan Bratislava versus Roadkill in waiting, number 12, FK. I'm going to pronounce it Poroni, P-O-H-R-O-N-I-E. Couldn't find it really easily. In any case, uh, the series, and it's probably a brief one, and as you might imagine, Slovan have had the best of it. 6-0-0 is their record against. Uh, Bratislava, they are tied for number one in the table currently with Spartak Trnava. Uh, you have to go down a couple of tiebreakers to find out which one is uh, better. Trnava are right there, but uh, Slovan Bratislava are ahead on goals scored. Poroni, meanwhile, trail Zlatemor, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Zlate Morosa, 
by one. It's going to be a long time till I get every pronunciation in the world right, if ever. But there's a lot of Zs and Vs, and it's hard. Uh, one good little piece of news for, uh, let's just call them uh, Zlate for the moment. Uh, they have a game in hand against the second-to-last place team. So it's possible they're not the worst team in the league. But they're looking right at right now. First, we'll look at the home side, Slovan Bratislava, the power of this league. They are known as the Hawks. They're rated uh, just outside the top 100 by UEFA as far as all the clubs go. They have won 15 league titles since 1993 when the country gained independence and started up its own Premier League. And they are the three-time defending champions. This year, looking like they could do more of the same. Number one offense at uh, more than two goals per match, tied for second best on defense, tied for number one in overall Goal differential, it really is probably going to be a two-race, uh, two-horse race with them and uh, Spartak in this league. As far as the Champions League go, they advanced to the second qualifying round this year, uh, but then they lost and dropped down to the Europa League, got into the group stage. They have played one match in the group stage there, and uh, they got a tie against PAOK Thessaloniki from Greece. Uh, the best they've ever done in the Champions League in the past, they made the playoff round. They never got that's the round right before the group stage or event proper. They managed to get that far in 2014-15. On the scoring leaderboard for them in their league is Ezekiel Henty. He is a forward from Nigeria. Came up with Milan from uh, Italy's Serie A system. Never appeared with them on the senior team. He always got loaned out to all kinds of places, actually. His longest career stint with one club has actually been right here with SB. Now, uh, on the scoring leaderboard also is Yaramir, uh, boy, the pronunciations are going to get me, is Mayor Hall. He is a left winger from Czech, from the Czech Republic. He spent seven years with Slavia Prague, one of the two best teams there. And then one year with Brescia over in, uh, they're currently in Serie A-B, but I know that at times they have played in Serie A. And their current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one across all competitions of late. Meanwhile, Peroni, can they do it? Probably not against this team and probably not against the rope. But who knows? We like our underdogs here in America. We'll be rooting for them. They're from the very hard for me to pronounce Zeddy of, pause to look at it, uh, Giar Nad Pronum. The way I heard it pronounced, the H-R-O-N-O-M, the third word of the city name was pronounced very quickly, Pronum. The guy had a very guttural voice. It was weird. In any case, it's a town of only 20,000 in the central part of the country or West Central. Uh, very well known, at least in that region, for aluminum production. They make a lot of car parts for one of the big factories there. Uh, perhaps historically, what is better known for uh, when they were going for independence, looking to do that, this town and the area surrounding it was well known as a hub for Slovak independent supporters and uh, freedom fighters, basically. The club was founded nine years ago. 2019-20 was actually their first one in Division One. Last year, they managed to stay up, not looking like that so far, but it's moderately early. Last year, they finished in ninth. This year, second to last on offense, uh, just a notch up better than that on defense, and uh, second to worst goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard, maybe to one's mild surprise, they have somebody on that, is Milosh, and there are a couple diacritical marks involved here, and I couldn't find the right pronunciation. I'm just going to pronounce it LACNY, L-A-C-N-Y, with a guarantee for you that it's almost certainly wrong. In any case, if you're like looking at a box score, there he is. Uh, he's from the Czech Republic forward, veteran, 33 years old. The team's four, they are winless in their uh, last seven matches, although they did just get a draw against number four in the league, Trenchin. Could you be... 
the most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. And really, if you think about it, what rocks America harder than me and person who ripping off a mid-tempo ballad from Prince for a soccer match preview? Yeah, let's keep that a rhetorical question. Hey, we liked doing it. It was lots of fun. The most meaningless match in the world. What on earth does that mean? Well, once again, we've scouted all scoured all the top leagues in the world and a couple other besides, as you will soon find out. Looking for a matchup of teams right smack dab in the middle of their tables, more or less, perfectly equidistant from the glory of either winning the league or at least finishing high enough to get an international tournament berth or finishing in last place, or low enough that they might be or will definitely be getting kicked out of their league, a.k.a. relegated. The most meaningless match in the world, the one you have selected, it was actually an NWSL match, but we already talked about that. So I went with one of the ones that was it, it tied for second place in the voting, and it is not a top division match. We are rocking America and being a little more American-focused. Decided to use this as a tiebreaker. We're going Wednesday to USL League One. That is not the USL Championship, which is the second division of American Soccer Pyramid that we talked about earlier. USL League One, just like League One is the third level in England, it is our third level here, Division Three level. They're over 80% of the way through the regular season. The top six teams are going to go to the playoffs and the top two are going to get to go straight through to the semifinals in this league and your matchup, because what other podcast has the heart to shine a light on teams like these is number 10 out of the 12 Richmond kickers versus number nine forward Madison. Here's how the table looks uh, in terms of uh, whether or not they're going to be able to get into the playoffs or finish in last number six, North Texas, 30 points, South Georgia, Toronto's, uh, Number B squad, if you will, their reserve side the from the MLS team and Madison all have 29 points and Richmond kickers have 28 points. So actually this match isn't really necessarily so meaningless. There's a whole bunch of teams vying for the very, very last spot in the playoffs. And these are two that are kind of in the mix. And then uh, as far as the other end of the table, North Carolina has basically had last place sewn up for a long time. NCFC, a distant last and only 19 points. These teams have already played twice this season. Both of those matches were played in Madison, and Madison had a 1-0 draw in one of them, and then the other one was a or a 1-0 win, and the other one was a nil-nil draw. The overall series, it's very young, as you might imagine. Madison has a 3-1 and 2 record against, and you can watch this online on ESPN Plus, 6:30 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. Talk about the kicker first, kickers first of Richmond. Now, you would think that they wouldn't need any other nickname, but they are known as the Red Army, okay, based on their color, and they are also known as the Roos, R-O-O-S, which I can only guess might be short for kangaroos, but whether it's that or something else, I couldn't immediately find anything on it from my usual sources. Nevertheless, there you go. They were founded back in 1993 and are actually one of the oldest continually, uh, at least I believe, professional-run clubs in all of the United States. Uh, they joined the second level of USL, now the championship, in 2017-18. They were a team affiliated with DC United of Major League Soccer, but uh, DCU, they have dumped them in favor of Loudoun United over in Leesburg as of 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's looking really great. Loudoun, there is not a worse team uh, 
that's a championship level team. There's not a worse team in, uh, in the USL championship, to be honest. Uh, this team, they won the U.S. Open Cup in 1995. Very impressive. They've beaten a few MLS teams over the years. Uh, they won the A-League back in 2001, which was a Division II league at the time. And then five different times they have won Division Three titles uh, with leagues under various names, uh, whether those be regular season titles or playoff titles. And the most recent of those was 2013. Last year they finished in fourth place. This year, uh, number 10 on offense, number four on defense, and uh, goal differential is right in the middle. They're tied for number seven. Strangely enough, you don't want to worry overly about the offense with this club. There is only an eight-goal difference between the best offensive team and the worst offensive team in this entire league. It's very, very close. The uh, defensive uh, stats are a little bit more disparate, and their defense is pretty good. So who knows? Maybe this is a team that could still climb into the playoffs, but they're still in our meaningless match. Number one league scorer is theirs, uh, Emiliano uh, Terzaghi. He is from Argentina of Argentina. Tina, a forward, 28 years old. They've also got the best goalkeeper in the league statistically, Akira Fitzgerald. He's a Japanese-American player, uh, did his college ball at Wake Forest, and his entire career has been here in the U.S. I don't think he's played for any MLS sides, but one interesting thing I did find, he might be the only player that we've ever covered on this show in a year and change now who played uh, professionally or semi-professionally, I assume, for the best indoor soccer league in the United States. Back in 2011, 2012, he played for a team called the Baltimore Blast. That sounds fun. Now, in a new tradition, we are not only talking about the best players on these teams, we're not going to talk about the worst players here. Instead, we are going to look for the most perfectly average player who has been meaningless, neither really helping nor hurting his team all that much. Most meaningless player this year on the team Victor Falk from Sweden. He's a midfielder, 23 years old. He has all of one assist, not too great for a midfielder. Pretty mediocre in open space as far as his dribbling statistics. Uh, For a midfielder in particular, very low-end average on his passing. And to be honest, his crossing ability is terrible. Lowest percentage I've ever seen, midfielder otherwise. Only 10% of those hit the mark. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three, and they have not been scoring a lick of late. Meanwhile, Madison, the Flamingos, I've been looking forward to covering this team for a while. They are known as the Flamingos. Reason for that is that, and I suspect it was quite intentional, not something somebody just discovered, but I believe it was 2019, there was a big polar vortex that happened there in Wisconsin. Well, somebody stuck either before the snow or in the snow that was going to get incredibly deep and did uh, a lawn flamingo. And they just kept taking pictures of this thing, getting buried more deeply and more deeply until... It was entirely buried, then I think back the other way as well. In any case, the videos went viral. This team has a huge social media presence, even compared to most teams. And because of that, and along with that, they market themselves as the world's second favorite team, which I think is just brilliant. No matter who your team is, they want this team in the third level of the U.S. to be your second favorite. They really are a lot of fun to follow. They were founded just three years ago. They were affiliated with the Chicago Fire of MLS last year. I don't think they are this season, but grain of salt for this. 
that. Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, they are tied for having the worst offense. Not the biggest deal in the world in this particular league, as we mentioned. Top three defense, and then tied for number seven on goal differential. The big thing with them is they have the most draws in the league. I believe they played 22 matches, and exactly half of them, uh, they've managed to only tie their opponents. So kind of quirky there, especially considering earlier we had that uh, Costa Rican team that had no draws at all after 13 matches. On the assist leaderboard is Jake Keegan. He is their captain, forward, 30 years old. Best club he played for was probably St. Patrick's. It's not from uh, Ireland's is not the greatest league, but that is one of their best teams. Played for them in 2018. Best all-around player they have going is midfielder, strangely enough, an Irishman, uh, Aaron Molloy, 24-year-old midfielder. Three goals, three assists, awesome passer and a very good tackler to boot. He's very valuable on both ends of the field for them. He was actually on the Portland Timbers roster for MLS uh, for some of last year, but he didn't make any appearances. And their most meaningless player, Justin Sukow, 23-year-old attacker, young, so he has time to find some meaning that he can add to all of our lives. He was with Reno 1868 for some of last year, so perhaps a a player so meaningless that the last club he played for simply drifted away, evaporated into nothingness. Reno, 1868, despite, I think, winning their conference or something like uh, disappeared, uh, bad finances. Anyway, the team's form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three, and they have not really been able to score a lick either. Now, in a uh, somewhat new tradition, we've only done something like this once or twice before. I also wanted to look at the host team's most famous residents over the years and find the most meaningless or perhaps the uh, least meaningful one for us in this day and age we could find. Richmond, Virginia, home to, at the time, I suppose, perhaps famous, uh, songwriter Henry Creamer. He did a lot of stuff for uh, Vaudeville. It was most popular back in the 1920s. And here is some of, uh, since we're rocking America now, that's why I decided to go the music route. Here is some of his super smash rocking hit, My Bluebird Was Caught in the Rain. and waiting for my bluebird but baby bluebird was caught in the rain and so at last dear new bites we come to the end of our podcast road once again now we don't normally like to end by celebrating two more great teams that are going to be dueling but rather by unveiling to you two sad sack bottom feeders last place position in their league, about to face off. Yes, this is the match of... Disappointed! And I wanted to slide in our traditional Kevin Sorbo Herculean sound effect, but guess what? This week, for once, maybe the first time ever, we are going to end with some happy news. I didn't put up the match of Disappointed, possible candidates, on Twitter, and there were a ton. There were like 14 or something... Third, uh, first for, or uh, not first versus last, uh, last place and second to last place matches in various places in the world. Just an absolute treasure trove of footy ugliness. But I knew which match I wanted to do. It's a Saturday match from the Faroe Islands, number 10. And boy, my Faroese is going to be terrible. Tevoroya versus number nine, Fuglafjörder. I'll let you Google up the pronunciations. I have a feeling I'm close yet not close enough. 
And that's really all I'm going to say about the match is the fact that they're playing because what I instead want to share because of all the bad news related that's been coming out to the NWSL and the men's predatory behavior, just all that unfortunate ugliness and nastiness. I thought, why not end with something better? 15 years as a police officer, but at night, but spending her days as a coach from London, Helen Lorraine, Nequacha, and I really hope I'm getting her name right because she deserves any little bit of respect. Anybody in the whole world can can get her. I've been having some trouble finding news on it on the computer, oddly enough, but I know I saw this a few days ago and I double-checked that she is the coach. She was just named the head coach of that first team that I mentioned, very last place and by quite a bit, to be perfectly honest, Tavoria. I don't think they've won a single game last year. She was just named head, co- head coach within the last week. And she is the first female black head coach of any men's top flight club in at the very least Europe. And I want to say anywhere in the world, although I'm not 100% sure of that, at the very least in Europe. What an accomplishment to do that anywhere Words fail. I have a nine-year-old daughter and the NWSL news made me and makes me very, very sad. So something like this makes me very, very happy. Um, I'm rooting for her team. No offense for all you uh, Fugla Fjordur fans. (laughs) It's still a mouthful for me to say, but I'm going to be rooting for, uh, let's call them TBT. That would be the pronunciation and their their new uh, superstar female coach. I wish them, them and her all the luck in the world. And that'll put a bow on episode 51 of our show, now called Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production duties and wonders, to Dan, the website former Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts and inspiration, to my daughter, Person Noob. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I love you so much. And for you, for listening, I love you too, but not in a weird way, I promise. And if you're not totally creeped out by that, hey, and if you enjoyed the show, we hope that you'll pass it on to the footy fan in your life. We really do endeavor to create something uh, uh, fun in a quirky way and cover matches in a different way than anybody else does and cover some matches that maybe most podcasts won't even touch as we focus a little bit more on America and our region these days, but still reach out trying to explore the entire soccer world and learning about the world through the lens of soccer. Until next week, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.